Welcome to The Courage Effect. I'm Suzanne Weller, and this is a show about growth and unleashing what's possible. You will hear inspiring stories about what courage looks like, how we navigate what's getting in our way, and the opportunities that surface when we choose courage over comfort. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. This is Suzanne. Thank you for listening to us here at The Courage Effect. I'm really honored to have my guest here today. She is talking about something that is incredibly important for all of us as human beings, which is personal safety. My guest today is Barb Jordan. Bob Jordan is a personal safety expert who partners with organizations and universities to educate and build awareness around ways to stay safe. Following her sister's death, who was tragically killed by gun violence, Barb founded Always Bev, short for Always Be Vigilant, in 2018. Named after her sister, the organization's mission is to educate and empower individuals on their personal safety at home, on campus, and in social environments, emphasizing the importance of awareness, indicators for violent behavior, and the significance of trusting our intuition. Barb has traveled the world as an elite athlete, coach, broadcaster, and instructor. She is a former collegiate All-American, national champion, and gold medalist as a USA softball team member and coach. She is also the host and creator of the podcast, Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. Barb, it's wonderful to have you here. Welcome to The Courage Effect. Oh, Suzanne, thank you so much for having me. So, one of the things that really jumps out at me on your website and in the conversation that we had is intuition and how important intuition is in what you do and what you teach and around raising awareness. And it really takes quite a bit of courage to listen and to trust your intuition. So I'd love to start off with asking you, why is intuition so important? Intuition serves one purpose in life. It's only here for one reason, and that's to keep us safe. And so oftentimes people dismiss it. They think, oh, it's nothing. Or maybe somebody is at a location, whatever it might be, social, business, and somebody walks in and somebody will turn to their friend and say, you know, that guy, that guy gives me a bad feeling. And somebody will say, oh, I know that guy, you know, he's funny. And then that's supposed to settle them down. Like that intuit, that intuitive feeling doesn't mean anything, but it does mean something when we get that funny feeling, or sometimes I say it's, it's a persistent thought, or we use dark humor, like, well, if I'm not there in five minutes, he, he killed me, you know, mm -hmm. that's, that's our intuition. It's, it's a big deal and we should always listen to it. So important. And it's one of those things that I think it, it's it's hard for us because, you know, I know that when we're trying to build relationships with people, like we want to build some trust. So there's obviously a certain amount of giving something that's precious to us, to somebody else. So how do you balance that? I mean, as you talk about this training, what do, what are the things that you're doing, I guess, to start making people really listen to that gut instinct? I think it's not what people say, it's what people do. It's how they act. So just a basic skill. When we meet somebody, look them in the eyes, look them in the eyes. And when they're telling you something, maybe it's a, a handyman type person that comes to their house and they're telling you all the different things they can do. And you're unsure, you watch their eyes. And if their eyes are shifty and they're looking back and forth and they can't come back to you and, and give you a secure feeling, that's a red flag. You know, little things like that, like I mean, I obviously I've been through a, a dramatic situation full of tragedy. So I, trust is very earned with me, but people should always earn our trust. We should never let our guard down. And sometimes we do have to interact with people who we don't know 
But again, keeping our distance, keeping yourself at a position where you can stay safe when you do meet people, that that in itself is powerful. Yeah, very powerful. Well, and it sounds like you're also, you're bringing it up with just being aware, paying attention. And and if something is rubbing you the wrong way, just, just noticing that, not just dismissing it. Yeah, abs absolutely. It, ha it happens a lot. And some people will say to me, oh, I trust everybody. And, and what I want to say is, no, you don't. I'm sure there's times in your lives where you have said no and you didn't know why, but it is your intuition that made you come, made those words come through your lips like, no, I don't really want to do that. We don't always have a reason. And that's intuition. Like intuition doesn't need to be defined. You don't have to say, I don't want to do this because intuition doesn't need an explanation. It is a feeling like for women, we get it in our gut a lot. For guys, they get it on their arms or the hair on their neck stands up. Like whenever you get that funny feeling, it's a warning sign. And it's telling you like, beware of this, this person or this situation. Yeah. Well, and I'm curious when you founded Always Bev, it sounds like that was really based on your intuition, almost gut instinct that this was something that you were really passionate about and needed to do. I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about what it was to form the organization. Well, many years ago, back in 1988, I actually ate dinner, Thanksgiving dinner with a true life sociopath. And that sociopath happened to be my sister's fiance. And they were engaged for eight months. And throughout those eight months, we saw warning signs, but we didn't say anything. And they were all extremely subtle, like things like where you would just say to yourself, that's weird or huh, that doesn't add up. But you didn't think like, oh, that's weird. And he's going to kill her. You know what I mean? They were yeah. all extremely subtle. But after he killed my sister, which was four days after Thanksgiving dinner, there's one phrase that none of us said. There were seven of us in the family. So six of us were left. There's one phrase we never said. And that's, I can't believe Rich killed Beverly, which tells you there were warning signs. And after he killed her, like all those yellow flags just came in full color. Like, remember this, remember this, remember this, you know, remember when he showed up on Thanksgiving and he didn't come with her, he was working that day. And we were like, oh, that doesn't make sense. So whenever you, you, you use the word weird or suspicious, or that doesn't add up or, huh, that's your intuition knocking on the door saying, you need to look at this situation or this person a little bit harder. Wow. That's, it's such a, it's such a hard story. And I have, mm. I have so much respect for you being able to tell it and being able to also think about, I mean, looking back and not, not doing it through the lens of regret, but a matter of, okay, how do I take this moving forward? How do I take this pain and turn it into something that is potentially going to help other people to avoid this? Yeah. And that's why I started always Bev because uh, her her killer was released from prison in 2018, and it was very hard. It's very difficult to know that, you know, somebody like that gets to walk around and just mix in into society. Obviously, he wasn't the scary looking guy. And I just thought to myself, there are so many people like him and others that blend into society and people don't know the difference. And that's why I started it. And it is based basically the courses. Yes, they teach you your basic skills, like this is how you pump gas and this is how you should walk through a parking lot. But it, it talks a lot about human behavior and different ways that people work to gain your trust. Like with him, he used to be in the Marines. 
And so now when I see pictures of him, he is always wearing like a Marine ball cap or he's wearing a Marine t-shirt. And if you're standing in line with, with him, Suzanne, at a Starbucks and you see a guy wearing that shirt, you let your guard down and you say what? Thank you for your service. And right away, he has you conversing and you have no idea that he is a murderer. And that's what Always Bev is all about. It's about really, really not um, letting what's put, what it says on paper or what people say dictate your trust. It's about that feeling and watching human behavior that will dictate when we actually let people into our inner circles. Yeah. And as you said, I mean, you can't, you, well, you can't judge a book by its cover, which is such a basic and old thing, but it's, it is amazing that we, there's certain things that we just sort of take for granted. Yeah. Yeah. And, and people like, you know, people want to be nice and they want to converse with people and that's okay. But like information sharing, like what you tell people, you know, like you meet somebody and you're telling them like, oh my God, I'm so excited. Me and my family are going away for 10 days. We're so excited. You're telling that you're telling a complete stranger that you're not going to be home for 10 days. And by the way, you've also told them your first and your last name. And the next thing you know, he goes on to Facebook and he does locations and he finds your address and people wonder why they were robbed while they were gone on vacation for 10 days. Yeah, that's always amazing to be like the whole social media thing too, right? Just like, oh, I'm on vacation and I'm letting everybody know that I'm not there. <laughs> yeah, I always say your pictures are just as good when you return as they are when you're away. That's a really great point. And it's not about creating envy when you're there. It's like, you can do that when you get back as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So how, how have you started to integrate some of this into your life? Well, I've always, first of all, my, both my parents were born in the Bronx, New York. So we were mm -hmm. an extremely vigilant family. And, you know, I would like to say we were all street smart. I mean, that's just how we were raised. We were the kids that had to be home by dark, the kids that had to come home right after the high school football game. The famous phrase in our house was nothing good happens after midnight. So it was uh, extremely shocking to a lot of people that it was our family that was a target by this guy. Um, so what we've always been vigilant, but now after this, I just look at the world differently and I, I can't really explain it, but I always say like, it's like somebody who's been a therapist for years, somebody might walk into their office and they'll be there for two minutes and the therapist will say, oh, you're suffering from depression. And they haven't really said a whole lot, but the therapist just knows they can see the signs. And I feel like I'm built that way. I've studied human behavior for so long. I look at people, I look at people across the gym and I watch them and I just shake my head and I'm like, there are no, there's, there's nobody that I want to converse with. Like I do that all the time and I do have excellent awareness. Very rarely does somebody approach me where it surprises me and it catches me off guard. And I say, oh, I didn't see you standing there. Oh, I didn't see you coming. Yeah. So it sounds like you're, you're, you're pretty much hypervigilant all the time. You're, yeah, you're just, I mean, you were just, before, but yeah, even more yeah, so it's now. become, it's become very innate for me. Yeah. Well, and how are there times where you, where you let that guard down or that you think that you shouldn't have, or do you think that you're pretty vigilant across the board now? Uh, I think I always just kind of position myself for awareness. Like, let's just say like this past weekend, my friends and I, we all went uh, downtown and we went to a nice restaurant, but very rarely will I sit with my back to the door. Like I'll at least sit where I can see everything in front of me. And then mm -hmm. I always try to get a table where, there, where I'm against the wall. Because if I'm against the wall, 
nobody's going to surprise us from behind. Again, even though I'm socializing and having a good time, I know that everything that's going to happen will be in front of me. Wow. It sounds like you've blended in really nicely with what you really want to be aware of, like what's important to you to make sure that you feel safe so that you can be fully present for the people that you're actually with. Yeah, I think people feel safe when they're with me. It doesn't mean anything <laughs> bad can happen, but people always know that I am a, a pretty good pair of eyes. Yeah, I think if I went out to dinner with you, I'd feel pretty, I'd feel pretty safe. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, I mean, we were at brunch this weekend and I'm looking at, I mean, I'm just look, I'm always looking and I'm looking at the cook behind the counter and I'm thinking to myself, like, they got some shady people, you know, working here. I could, that's just, that's just what I see. Yeah. Well, we're going to take a quick break for an advertisement. I want to come back. We'll talk more about more about intuition and more about some practical tips of maybe how people can use your awareness techniques. So just a reminder, everybody, you're listening to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne, and we will be right back. Saving Great Animals, a Seattle-based dog rescue organization, matches families with dogs that are the best fit. Dogs that come from overcrowded animal control shelters, from abandonment or neglect. The key to Saving Great Animals' success is a trial adoption program, including training and counsel as needed. This way, you know you have the right dog before the adoption is final. Saving Great Animals relies solely on donations, so please visit Saving Great Animals animals.org today. Asking questions is better than making assumptions, such as the premise of my show, Stacy Connects, a show about making connections through conversation. I welcome a diverse assortment of guests to chat about topics and ideas that are sometimes educational, sometimes inspirational, a little personal, and always entertaining. Every week, I draw out and befriend the elephant in the room so listeners can connect with the unexpected. Listen live Tuesdays from 3 to 4 on Alternative Talk, 1150 KKNW. Wherever you go, Alternative Talk 1150 is here for you. Welcome back to The Courage Effect. This is Suzanne Weller, and I am in conversation today with Barb Jordan. Barb Jordan is the founder of Always Bev, which is an organization that she founded that educates people about personal safety following the death of her sister. And one of the things that we've been talking about is trusting your intuition. And obviously, the work you do with Always Bev is so important, Barb. I would love for you to talk a little bit about how did you get to this point? I mean, obviously this is a lot to process through your mm -hmm. life and you didn't just arrive at this point of really, you know, knowing what is, what it means to keep you safe. Would you be willing to speak a little bit about your experience and how you processed through your stages of grief? Oh yeah, it was, um, in fact, it's, it's a, it's a never ending process, you know, like just recently in the last year, I kind of, and you're going to look at me and roll your eyes and go, oh my gosh. I was like, oh, I went through a traumatic event, you know, not just a tragedy, but it, there was trauma involved. Like I had never really used that word in, in our family situation, but now I realize, like it was, you know, how traumatic it was. And it, it was extremely difficult because one, it was so sudden two, it was so violent. Um, and three, I adored my sister, you know, it was like a mega loss, not just for me, but for our entire family. She was, 
she was golden, you know, to all of us. She was like the person in the family for each family member. And so for a long time, like, you know, I didn't talk about it, but I thought I spoke about it because other people in my family, I spoke about it because I spoke about it more than the other members of my family. But as years passed, I realized that doesn't mean anything because nobody, nobody speaks about it. So simply by saying her name once on a holiday is not really talking about her. Um, but it took me probably close to 20 years. I went to some therapy along the way. I didn't just say, oh, I can handle this, but nothing ever really stuck. You know, nothing ever really got me to open up, but I did find somebody who I went there and she just said, I want to take you through something called EMDR. And I was like, sure, you know, if it's going to help me feel better. And within one session, um, it I just felt like so much opened up in my mind. You know, basically you, t you do EMDR because your situation hasn't passed from one side of the brain to the other. You're still stuck in that moment. But of course you don't know it, but your, your brain still has that one moment still there. And so when I did my first session, uh, you know, the therapist looked at me and she had tears rolling down her eyes, you know, just simply by what I was saying. And she looked at me and she said, you're still kneeling by your sister's coffin. And I just was like, and I had said all these things to my sister, you know, when we watched, when we had her viewing, like, please don't leave me, please don't leave me. I need you, please don't leave me. But yet in the 20 years after that moment, I never remembered saying that. But when she took me through EMDR, all of that came out and it was, it's, it was extremely healing. It's very painful, but if anybody is suffering from trauma, I, I highly recommend it because if you can get through to the other side, it just it just elevates you into life. So that's what I think about EMDR. Wow. What a powerful experience. And to have that 20 years after the fact. Oh, yeah. It was, um, you know, when it first happened, I'd get mad all the time. You know, you mentioned I played sports. I'd get out and I'd be like in, inside. I'd be like, and my sister was killed, you know, like. Anytime I was angry, it, it always went back to, to that situation. So you just know or can imagine how much was built up inside of me. So to finally be able to release some of it and to release the nightmares, there's so many nightmares that went along with it. Plus, in that 20 years, I had nightmares almost every night. And the theme was the same, that somebody was trying to get me. Didn't mm. matter. It wasn't him. But the theme was somebody was trying to get me. And so once I went through EMDR, it helped alleviate some of those nightmares. I still have nightmares, but they're not as they're not as constant. So it's it's been a battle. You know, it's been a battle. And, you know, whenever you hear a bad story, like you take the Idaho murders, you know, it's it's those families, you know, those families are going to suffer, you know, and people don't really know that, but it's the, it's, if the, if somebody goes down in the families, it's the families now that live with that traumatic event. Yeah. And it, thank you for sharing that. And it's, it's so, what really hits me is you, you were ready to, to dig a little bit deeper and to kind of change the narrative around moving out of anger and being freed of it and getting to the point of it's never going to go away, but wanting to, wanting to have a different relationship with, with your grief. If that, I don't know if that lands with you. Yeah. I just think that, you know, I, I, you know, I, I'm athletic, you know, so I, I always am always trying to be better, but I just, 
I never got to be, you know, where I wanted to be. And so it was, like I said, just go finding a therapist just randomly and going through that experience. It really helped me. And I would go to my mom and dad's house and I'd be like, guess what happened? I went to therapy today and I would pull, I'd be like, do you remember when you um, saw Bev for the first time at the, at the viewing and you ran down the aisle towards her and my mom and dad were like, oh no, oh no, no, no. Why are you talking about that? Like, oh no, like no one spoke about it. That's how painful it was. Yeah. So I did a lot of it. Yeah, I did a lot of it on my own. I mean, I really did. I did a lot of it on my own with this one um, particular therapist. She really, she helped me so much. I, I, I could not do always Bev today if it wasn't for her. I couldn't even say Bev's name out loud without crying. I mean, I was like, just in, I was in terrible shape. You know, it just hit me, affected my life so much. And whenever you, you hear the phrase like, oh, their life has changed forever. It's true their lives are changed forever. And it's, it's a battle for them too. They're going to have happiness, but just to find a way to maneuver through life without letting that grief always be in every thought, that's, that's the challenge and that's the battle. Wow. Well, it sounds like I, you were, you were really wanting to move beyond that grief, or at least you wanted, you wanted to get to a point where you could not let it take you over. Cause it sounds like it was starting to take you over and the coping mechanisms that you were using weren't necessarily working for you anymore. Right? Was there some sort of turning point or something that happened that made you just decide to, to change up and to see a therapist? Um, I think, you know, just through life, you kind of bounce in and out of it. I don't know exactly what it was that, that I, th- I think someone recommended her to me. And I just thought like, what, you know, what could it hurt? You know, like just, and so when I went and I went a couple of times, we were just kind of stagnant. And that's when she said, you know, I do do this process. I didn't go for EMDR. Yeah. And once she took me through it, I mean, I had so many epiphanies. I had so many moments where like the one I told you about, I remembered something yet I had not thought about it for 20 years. And once I, once I did that and process and saw like, the grief that I was in, it just, it's something inside just triggered me. And it just allowed me to take leaps and bounds in my lives. You know, one of my friends just said this week, I never see that anger in you anymore. And I think it's really because of the EMDR. Wow. That's huge. And I'm so glad that you, that you, that you went through that. And I'm so glad that you have somebody that has been a great support for you in that. Yeah. And as we really, I, I want to make sure that in the time that we have remaining, that you're allowed to give some our, our listeners some ability to to know what are some of the practical things that they should be looking out for. I mean, not that you can go back and change time, but a big part of what you do at Always Bev is to, in, you know, to cultivate intuition in people, but to help them to to have some practical skills of of what yeah. to look for. So I'd love for you to share some of that before we go. What what are some things that you want to make sure that our listeners are aware of? Yeah. Well, first of all, Suzanne, I do want to say this, that I started always Bev. So nobody would ever have to feel the way that I felt or the way that my family felt after something so traumatic. So many people think, oh, it'll never happen to me. This is exactly why I started it. So I think if you ever have the chance to take a personal safety course, you should take it. What can it hurt? You know, people, but people always put safety in the back burner. But in today's world, we all need skills to stay safe. So I would say this, the basic skills, one thing you can do is that when you say no to somebody, it doesn't matter if it's socially, 
somebody says, can I get you a drink? It doesn't matter if you're out and somebody says, can I walk you to your car? Whatever it is, if your answer is no, honor your no. You said no for a reason. But so often, especially as women, you know, when we say no to a man, they think it's a, neg a negotiating point. They're like, you know, and they're like, oh, just have this drink. I mean, come on, I already bought the drink. You should have this drink. Just have this one drink that, you know, whatever it is, no mean, but no means no. And so oftentimes people don't honor their no, whatever it is. But so the next time you say no to somebody, just say, I'm sorry, I can't. It's no. That in itself can can totally empower you and keep you safe and keep that person out of your inner circle. When we do that, the chances of staying safe are so much greater. Um, I also think looking people in the eyes, whether you're walking through a parking lot, whether you're on a morning walk, whatever it is, men innately look people in the eyes. They always walk by somebody and they make eye contact. Where women a lot, they walk by people and they look down. How do you know? How do you know what that person's made out of unless you look them in the eyes? So that's something we can all do on a regular basis. And you're going to see it. You're going to find that one day you're going to talk to somebody and you're going to see their eyes shift. You're going to see them look down. You're going to be like, why are they looking everywhere except for me? And I'm the person they're talking to. Like, it doesn't add up. That's not normal behavior. So I think when you watch people in the eyes, I think that that is um, a very good tool. It's a very something we can all implement into our lives right away. Um, and then I always think using your voice. We all have a voice and our voice is a great weapon. So if you see somebody, maybe they want you to donate, whatever it is, all you have to do again is say, I can't right now or no, not right now, not right now. And you put your arms out and you can see me. If my arm is out, that that gives myself about three to four feet that if I was ever to get attacked, I have three to four feet to defend myself. But if my arms are down by my side and they keep approaching and they keep approaching and they make a move to attack me, I'm completely defenseless because my arms are at my side. So if you are saying no to somebody or, hey, no, not right now, or, oh, no, I'm not interested and your arm is out, that's just another way of saying stop. Don't get closer to me because body language doesn't matter what language they speak. Body language is universal. We all They all know what no means. So using your hands, your fingers, your arms to say no to somebody can keep, can keep people back. Great. Thank you. Well, and it's a combination of the physical, right? Like using your voice, as you said, but also making sure that you're, you're, you're using your energy and that you're picking up on energy at the same time. So thank you. Yeah. So, and, and one more thing, and having the body language that says, I'm aware of my surroundings. Yeah. Having that body language that says, I see you. I just want you to know my eyes see your eyes. That's empowering. Yes. Owning your space. So important. So, so a quick recap. So intuition is here to keep us safe. Um, we all need skills to keep us safe. So why not actually, you know, spend some time and practice it and honor your no, if you're feeling something, make sure that you're, you stay clear with that. So Barb, I'm going to put your, a link to your website for always Bev on the, on the courage effect website. Thank you for a truly important conversation. Thank you for raising your voice and thank you for sharing it with other people. It's been an honor to have you here today. Suzanne, thank you so much for understanding the importance of this topic. And of course, for letting me share my story. Thank you. Mm, pleasure. Take care of yourself. Thank you, everybody, for being here at The Courage Effect. Stay courageous.